and good evening, everyone. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports, you are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVF Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State coming to you live from room 420 inside the different boss. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk under, underscore Tomahawk, and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. And boy, is it good to be back in this extremely squeaky chair. It may be squeaky, but that's it's my home. chair. Now. Is that is that? Did we get, did we that switch is, chairs over the break? I think we might have. Okay, well you're keeping it, and I'm not taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, new semester, same same show, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it's not. I mean, it's not the same show because that would be extremely boring. It means same exact show every single week. But you and you know. could only talk about Florida State football for so long. <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been a trend of late, but this show is absolutely packed once again. But there is no need to fear. I brought some backup tonight. We have a great panel for you. A former host and co-host making their triumphant returns to the VA9 studio. I don't see any reason to wait. Let's get right into it. What is a captain without his crew? I am joined as always by my good friend and co-host Chris Camacho. That was your fa- first day of class. I missed you, bud. It's good to be back. I missed you too, man. No, it's really good to be back. Always, always glad to be back in the squeaky chair on the air with you. Um, first day was pretty good, actually. Not bad. Only two classes. Um, first time. I'm sorry. This is the second semester that I have Friday classes in my collegiate career. That, which is, let me and let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that is wonderful. You don't what need is? It, not like taking Friday completely off. Oh no, I'm saying I do have. Oh, Friday you do have Friday classes. classes. Which Never mind, shame. guys. That's a shame. <laughs> Friday but it's classes. fine. We we make do. Either way, good to be back. <laughs> Making his return to the panel for the first time since I've been the host. He covered Florida State sports for the Tallahassee Democrat. Previously wrote for Orlando Sentinel and Tomahawk Nation. Former co-host of the show, Mr. Kurt Weiler. Welcome back, my friend. It is good to see you in a place that's not the press box. It is so good to see you too. It's very good to be back. I'm I'm glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, of course. And uh, also returning to the show, another former host. Of Tomahawk Talk, reporter for WCTV Sports, Mr. Ryan Kelly, the life of the party. Your Jaguars have hurt you dearly this year. What would be your message in a, a strictly G-rated format to the Jaguars front office? Uh, my message would be, please clean out your desk. <laughs> uh, that's the message to, to David Caldwell. He can't even get PG on that one? I, I Well, I mean. No, that, no, that, no, that's fine. That's all I need. That's, that's oh, all okay. he needs. Okay. I, was, I was going through it real I was, fast. I was satisfied with that. That's, How? How is it that I went through a year where, let's see, just just professional wise, mm-hmm. half my teams made the postseason, one of them made the conference title game, and I promise you, it's maybe the most painful year I've ever had as a sportsman. <laughs> J- Jacksonville got hosed out of the playoffs. Miles Jack wasn't down. That's all I'm saying. Got <laughs> hosed out of the Super Bowl. The Ducks got swept by a rival in the Sharks. The Tigers were awful. The Magic were awful. And to end it all with a cherry on top, the hottest team in the MLS, Seattle Sounders, were then beaten by our rivals at home in penalty kicks. Because, Ryan, as somebody whose teams are normally all pretty bad, you should just stay that way because although it stinks, you get your hopes up when your teams give you glimpses of hope. I'm a Magic fan. I realize how that works. Well, (laughs) but I'm saying that's what it is. Trust me, from from the 28 to 3-er, Trust me, they just get your hopes up and you, rip you your hearts out. Last year. Look, as a Dolphins fan who goes to the playoffs once every nine millennia, uh, 
I, I feel you. I feel, I feel your pain. That's that's a little too rough. That's a little too rough for the Dolphins. It's more like it's hard being in this LA time fan. though. This hires the one, right? Yeah, this like, hires the like like it's, yeah. it's once every look, presidential turn. Look, sure, <laughs> look, we got a great replacement for Shula. Twenty five years later, oh. you know, I don't even know if it's twenty five years later. It feels that long. Who did Anyways, you hire? We, we haven't hired anybody yet. yet. Oh. But oh, this one's the one. I got the feeling. Okay, thanks, Kurt. I'm glad. I'm glad you you have the confidence that you know, I do I've not. I've heard Nick Saban is itching to get back in the professional game. Oh, Ryan <laughs> Kelly. Actually, uh, Alabama could keep him. Chris Camacho, Kurt Weiler, Ryan Kelly. Once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which, if you didn't already know, is the segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, rip off the top stories, and ask our panel about them, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show. And this week, the NFL players are in full swing, but the entire NFL seems to be talking about one man and one team, and that is Antonio Brown and the Pittsburgh Steelers. A bunch of commotion coming from that organization's locker room as Antonio Brown demanded a trade this past week after there were reports of some dissension in the locker room between Ben Roethlisberger and himself. And, of course, he was benched in Week 17 against the Bengals with what we were told was some sort of injury at first, but apparently that is not the case at all. Now it's just a bunch of finger-pointing in the Steelers' locker room, a bunch of he said, he said, everybody has a different opinion on this. Guys, where did the Steelers go from here? What's the right move, Chris? Get rid of him. I, 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 think, I think it adds to a toxic locker room situation and when you have a guy i mean granted antonio brown is a top talent you'd hate for a team that is struggling already i mean they had a decent season to start with and then ended off it was a complete you know just trainer um so to lose a talent like antonio brown would be uh tragic but i think mike tomlin ben roethlisberger they i i don't think you need that kind of toxicity in the locker room kurt to not have him on that roster, you're paying him $21 million to not have him. I don't think you can justify that. I mean, honestly, the worst thing that happened for that organization was what Le'Veon Bell and what happened with him this year because he kind of set a precedent of, hey, if you just refuse to play, you eventually get to be a free agent. And I would bet you're going to see more people kind of follow that example over the next couple of years when they're unhappy with their contract as, as unfortunate a situation as it was. Winning is always the great mask for everything, and I think people are finally starting to admit themselves that the Steelers have had a problem for a while. I mean, Antonio Brown went live in a quiet, supposed-to-be-private locker room years ago. I mean, he's always been immature. Le'Veon Bell's always been immature. Ben has always had his character flaws, have been well-documented in the press. And the thing is, the Steelers, this organization that's always built themselves on consistency, that, you know, we always get it right, and, you know, we, we always, you know, stay the course, and we're the top-notch football program. Mike Tomlin has ha- hasn't had control of that locker room in, what, a half-decade? I I think you're just finally starting to see the birds come home to roost here with Pittsburgh. And as Roethlisberger's era ends, I think if you're the Rooney family, you got to start thinking, is it time for the first time ever for maybe the Steelers to hit the reset button? Hot take or not hot take, the Browns finish next year then with a better record than the Steelers. I don't think that's too hot. No, I, that's too hot. I think uh, especially it's with crazy. The, with think about mo- think about that four months ago. That I'd, I'd be saying that now. I I I think. I think it's possible. I don't know if it's probable or not, but I think it's possible. Well, I mean, they were. It's crazy that it's possible. I mean, they they were they were literally a drive away from having a winning record this season. Yeah. I mean, so I really don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. But, but it ended up keeping the Steelers. Yeah, well, the playoffs, so cares? <laughs> well, uh, there really is only one move here. You need to let go of Antonio Brown. I agree with Chris. I think everybody. Well, I mean. Ryan's take was really just get control of the locker room, somebody please. But for the same reason, the city that, of Jacksonville welcomes your <laughs> immaturity. For, for the same reason that you need to let go of Le'Veon Bell, it's the exact same reason why the Steelers have to let 
let go of Antonio Brown. They have the talent to replace him, first of all, but most importantly, you see a team with the talent that Pittsburgh has, the young talent, but you see the commotion in the locker room. And if you're seeing this on the outside as a free agent looking and you see a team unwilling to deal out money, you see a team that will not trade you when you're disgruntled, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the Steelers have to be very, very careful here because, let's be honest, Big Ben's time is running short. We've already t- talked about that a little bit. You know the saying, trade them a year too early, then a year too late. It's like 20 years too late for Ben Roethlisberger, but we're talking about Antonio Brown here. Trade him while he's hot. You need to trade Brown, get something for him, show him that grass isn't always greener on the other side of the football field, and you have the talent to replace these two. You have reason to be cited as an organization about the future of James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster. If you need to get Brown, Say that five times fast. Yeah. I I did it once and it came out pretty good. I don't necessarily want to. <laughs> try it. Did you hear the same thing? Yeah. Uh, well, that was the seminal segment presented by me, sponsored by me, brought to you by all of us. It's been it's been it's been a a month for seminal sports. It's been a, just a whirlwind of a ride since I was last uh, here at the uh, the host panel. Of course, we do want to thank Luke and other Luke. Luke Faye and Luke Hazen for uh, hosting the show uh, on New Year's Eve. It took it took an hour out of their time to come and host the show and give a little bit of the update about what's ever, what's been happening around the sports world. And it's been a lot. Like we already said, the Browns almost had a winning record. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Alabama, you know, I think high school basketball association is oh, with, that's right. uh, restricting oh, restricting yes. this this poor girl from playing in college. How, how because, dare you cash checks from America? <laughs> yeah, and and Miami has. Smacked, smacked, <laughs> Miami Hurricanes have smacked the reset button harder than you could ever smack the reset button. Curtin's shaking his head and he just agrees. It is a huge, let's, let's be honest, I think we can all agree it's a pretty big crossroads for this Miami program. Mm-hmm. Rick has restored, or looked like he had restored some of what they had lost over the last, what, four, five, however many coaches, a lot. But then this year happened, they still don't have a quarterback, and they just hired somebody at a huge crossroads of the program who has no head coaching experience. Mm-hmm. It is a gutsy hire. Could go one of two ways. If I had to trend, I'm, I don't see it going well. And that's nothing against. I mean, Florida State grad, Manny Diaz. But just that is a big situation for a guy who's never been in a situation anything like it. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, Florida State did a similar thing in 2010, and it worked out okay for him. I mean, Completely the, the different. Di- the divorce different. was a little You were grooming him. They were grooming him for years. He was a coach in waiting. He knew that was going to be his job. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's not like you know, it's not like Jimbo Fisher had a, a, a stamp taped to his back that said "Return to Sender." I mean, I, he didn't necessarily go anywhere. But I, I tend to agree. But I also tend to think that Manny Diaz knew that when the day came that Rick was gone, he was going to be in the running for that job. I think it came far sooner than everybody thought. But I mean, he was a favorite son of the program, and him knowing it versus them grooming him for it are two, is different, though. Yeah. That's what I will say to that. Well, at this crossroads, that when it comes to Miami, and I know that this is this is old news, and we're going to move on for it very very quickly. I mean, I don't see another program in the NCAA that has bigger questions than the University of Miami right now, and I think Rick has left them in a worse position than he found them, and that's saying something considering how bad Miami was for that string of time. But you take them to the ACC championship, they get their butts whipped by Clemson, and it's been just this gigantic rolling snowball that has not stopped <laughs> since then. Yeah, what's kind of funny is that ends that. And the same thing into the Al Golden era, yep. when when Miami th- got thumped by Clemson at home. That was his last game there, and yep. that was honestly the end of the Mark Richt era at Miami. I would say around. I would say the LSU game to start this year. Really? Okay, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess. Well, and that LSU team ended up being better than we thought they were at say, that time. But Miami's <laughs> whole season was just so forgettable. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I remember watching that. We were in the Champions Club because they were announcing their new uh, Unconquered campaign for the Florida State boosters. So mm-hmm. we were watching that on the Jumbo Trine to, inside Dope Campbell Stadium, having a, uh, shall we say, laugh. Mm-hmm. A laugh or two. <laughs> well, uh, when it comes to another sport that's pretty hot right now, Seminoles basketball, both teams traveled to Virginia this uh, this past week, both with uh, uh, different results, both equally as surprising, I think. Really. That's the best way you could put it. going to start with women's basketball. Uh, giving the collective Seminole fan base a pair of heart attacks this past week. This team, i got to give them some credit. I've been very critical of this team the past month or so, and my reservations are not completely resolved, I'll say that much. Um I think this team really rides on Akomu and Gillespie a little bit too much. I know this is a young team, but when you when Nikki Akomu is just shooting as bad as she has shot the, the basketball on and off, hot or cold the past month, it's kind of still giving me uh, room for concern. But when it comes to the games played this past week, I know that Virginia and North Carolina aren't world beaters in the ACC, but uh, these were some quality wins on the road, Chris, beating Virginia 63-61, and then the Tar Heels by one point, 64-63. It's 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 really close. I, I think ultimately it comes down to to the defensive side of the game. I, um, I don't know. I like the way Gillespie's playing her game because she she I think by far has been the leader of this team. Uh, Nikki Okamu obviously she she comes in and plays her role really well. But I think Gillespie being the probably uh, she's a s- junior. I forget. Junior. Junior. Right. Uh, she's got that veteran presence that she needs, but she's also on the season she's shooting. Uh, fifty-one point six percent on the field, and so I just think I think the way that she leads this team offensively has done them really well. Where they're falling behind a little more, so I'm gonna say is defensively is letting letting those teams catch up to them. The fact that they that they beat Virginia by one by one that was their one point victory. No, no I'm that, sorry, that was their two point victory. Point. Either way, it, these games have been too close to call. That's my take on it. Kurt, we, we were talking earlier about how Florida State has been left out of the polls, the AP poll for uh, the entire season, and it was starting to get, well, this team is 12-1. and one. They breeze through non-conference play, and here you're starting to get into the conference play. When is this team going to get into the top 25? And they are in the AP poll, but they fell out of the coaches' poll, as Ryan Kelly said uh, before we came on the air tonight. Is this, is this I don't want to say a turning point for this basketball team because it seems like they've, they've had it. But how how much of a confidence booster are these wins on the road for you? They're huge. I think you look at a lot of times, especially, I mean, those weren't great ACC teams, but to win in a good conference, to win on the road, you look at teams that normally do that, you look at teams that normally are mature and have experience. This team, not really either of those. So I, I, I've never been down on this team this year. I mean, that LSU loss, I was not there. I was at soccer that day. That's the one home game I haven't covered for them this year, so maybe I'm the good luck charm. I don't know. But – uh, that, that that outside of that, I mean, I I was not down on this team because I knew this was a team that was going to be a building block for future years. They're young. You look at what they're bringing in, what they signed. I mean, they've signed some great players next year's class too, and just building blocks of getting Kai Gillespie that experience, getting your juniors and your freshmen. I mean, so many freshmen. They four freshmen getting thrown out there, and maybe their best one is out this year, Isabella Nicoletti with an ACL. So this season was always going to be a building block season. I think most of them. I think. I don't know if Sue Semro would tell you that in an interview setting, but I think she knows it. Mm-hmm. And and I and so I I think they're ahead of schedule. I think hard not to see them as ahead of schedule. They enter the year without those expectations of being in the polls like they normally are. It snapped a streak of I think over seventy straight weeks in the poll they had been before this year. And now they've played their way into some. They're not pushing Notre Dame or Louisville, but the question at what point does it become? I mean, if they keep winning road games and home games, where can they can they finish third, fourth, fifth in the ACC in a year they weren't supposed to? 
that that is exactly the idea. And for the record, I this team is nothing is everything in excitement. This is a young team with so many freshmen. You talked about it. I said at the beginning of the basketball season, this team is young, and I'm really excited to see what Susemaru does with this basketball team. But it, it was it was more the hot and cold shooting nights where I felt it was just really relied upon. The scores, which of course you got to put the ball through the hoop. It's basketball. It doesn't take a radio host, a rocket scientist, or whatever profession you want to tell you that. Ryan Kelly, where does this team go for here? Uh, you got you got three games coming up: Clemson, Boston College, Duke. Uh, Clemson and, and and Duke are home, and then you face number two Louisville. What what is your anticipation for not only the Louisville game, but how do you think that this team is going to continue out the first leg of this? Uh, conference play just go two and one into louisville i mean louisville is one of those games where let's this is women's college basketball there's very little parity at the top you 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 tip your cap you move on if you pull off the upset of all upsets throw a ticker tape parade downtown but uh (laughs) other than that you know this is for all their flaws and for all their weaknesses kurt's right they're really young they are a really inexperienced team they're injured they don't work with the biggest bench in the world, and yet at the end of the day, they're finding ways to win. And not necessarily for this season, but for further down the line, when Coach Sue can get this team coached up, when she can get them in a couple seasons with some more supporting players, get them more seasons and experience, I don't think you can underestimate the value of a group of young teams learning how to win at the highest level, learning how to win in the ACC, one of the best conferences in college basketball, learning how to squeak these games out when, hey, it's not my best night. But here I am in Carmichael Arena where Michael Jordan played at this very intimidating building, and I got it done. When when I walk into the John Paul Jones Arena, my first ever ACC game if I'm a freshman or if I'm Kaya Gillespie and I transferred in, how do I handle this? You get into a dogfight with a, let's face it, not-so-great Virginia team. You Once again, don't necessarily have your great night, but in the moments when you get it done, you got it done. And I think that sort of stuff maybe – can be a little valuable in this season, but I think for the future of the program, this type of season and the way that they're winning these type of games, if they continue to do this, will be highly beneficial for this young team. You you want to talk about how good a season Kaya Gillespie's having. I wrote a story about her last week. I guess it was ahead of the UVA game. She Or UNC game, right? Shameless plug number one. Yeah, yeah I'll share the link. <laughs> she uh, She is on pace to be a top 10 like have a top ten all time season in program history in points right. and rebounds, right. in the same year. No, it, it's it's definitely impressive. But if you want if you want to talk about uh, scoring, Florida State men's basketball had a hard time doing that. Uh, how'd you like that segue? That was pretty good. Lots I, of people do. Right, right, right <laughs> on the uh, on the button there. Uh, Florida State having a real tough time and really kind of just a very shocking performance. Uh, from Florida State men's basketball again uh, facing Virginia, both teams went up to Virginia. Uh, number nine, Florida State Seminoles. I guess, they're not number nine. Are they? Are they fourteenth now? Thirteenth. Thirteenth. Uh, I can't. That's always, fair. I can't get them all right. But they they saved themselves a couple ranks with a sixteen zero run against the Virginia Walk-Ons to playing, close out that game. Yeah, playing <laughs> playing press defense in the final two minutes against <laughs> P- playing the role of the Florida Gators will be yeah, basically because <laughs> yeah they did that to Florida. They subbed out their starters against Florida in that blowout too. And cost them a bunch of points. A bunch of points, but uh, yeah. this... so, so apologies if you had FSU minus thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, this this was probably I mean not probably this was definitely not the start that Florida State 
wanted, you know, coming into ACC play. Of course, you kind of have a you have a Winthrop game um, a couple of days beforehand that was kind of scary in its own right. Maybe the writing was on the wall a little bit with how that game kind of went, but I don't think anybody, especially with how strong this Florida State team has played early on in the season, I don't think anybody was really expecting this 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 blow i mean let's call it what it was it was a blowout until the final two minutes right well and it's funny i told you i I was actually i was at guitar center when i got the notification for the halftime score it was 42 to 23 i i had to do a double take did you did you throw did you smash the guitar there was a lot of feedback coming i was about to say is is it bad (laughs) i just get this mental image that you're just trying out a guitar you look down at your phone one of the strings just (laughs) (laughs) exactly no it's you're right it's not the start that Florida State wanted to ACC uh, wanted going into ACC play. However, I think it, I understand you were saying that even though Virginia is the number one defense in the country, that's not necessarily an excuse. Unfortunately, Florida State played to that statistic. Virginia's defense is keeping op- opponents to fifty one point two points per game. Florida State only did one point better than that. So it, they're, they're with with an extended probably with a, with they a, might not have broken forty with a what sixteen right. some odd run it was sixteen nothing yeah. yeah right exactly if, against walk ons if Virginia had not gone full savage mode I'm not sure Florida State breaks forty absolutely absolutely it, and it's it's you know you you can chalk it up to an off night for guys like Trent Forrest Trent Forrest only had one point. Trent Forrest and Terrence Mann combined Terrence for Mann. a point. Terrence Mann was scoreless for the first time in sixty five games. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it. It's a bad start to ACC play. I'll tell you that much. So I'm not. I'm not necessarily always a numbers guy. I'm. I'm really more about what happens over the course of the game and looking at, you know, body language and mentality and seeing what these teams are about, how they play, how they come back from it. But looking at the numbers right here, uh, Florida State 34.1 percent from regular field goal range, 26.1 from three point range, a six for 23 for all you mathematicians out there. I get a pass because I'm looking at ESPN, but. Kurt, is this is this something to be concerned about, or is this just a bad game, just straight? I, I'm not worried about. I mean, a it's number it is the number two team in the country, and it's uh, here's here's what ever. I mean, yes, UMBC last year we all remember. Virginia stays a elite regular season team. They haven't really shown it yet in the postseason to be able to make a Final Four or anything like that. It does not worry me. I mean, that's what Virginia does. They limit possessions. They try and slow you down. That you the the recipe to beat them is easy. Hit down your open shots, hit down your threes, things like that. The hit fact down that your free throws. Well, and yes, we can get into Florida State's uh, completely 16, out of the blue. Sixteen for twenty-seven and started like two of seven or three of seven or something like that. And they were a great free throw shooting team. But when Virginia is hitting some of the shots, they were Kyle Guy. I don't even know. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't. Some of them were just open looks. Some of them were hand buried in the face, and he's just draining the three, staring down the bench. I mean, when Virginia is hitting their those shots. They are all but unbeatable. So I mean, Florida State could have kept it more competitive, but with with I mean with better shooting of their own. But they knew as much as everyone who pays attention knew that game was over at halftime. With how much Virginia slows it down, right. there's no coming back from 19 down at the half against Virginia. And they played like it in the second half. They looked uninspired. And so. I do, and I do think part of that is to blame. And I hate saying this because everybody knows I'm a big defender, but I. Th- question a little bit of uh, Coach Ham's management of the bench at the end of this game. I, I don't necessarily like that. Listen, I, I get it. I get that you've got Terrence Mann in foul trouble. I get that Fee is in foul trouble. I get that Phil is in foul trouble. But it's like he said, 15 points for Virginia is a blowout. 
it is the, the the pace in which they play. It is over. I mean, you, you cannot just leave those guys on the bench when they are continually getting baskets against. I mean, I get it's not necessarily a second team guy. Florida State as the, the hamism is, you know, winning by committee, and that is absolutely what this program's built on. And I, I do think that's kind of surprising because Leonard is so good usually at managing that bench. He he knows those minutes, and that's why. Uh, I felt like them playing a much tougher out-of-conference slate than they're used to would help in this first ACC game because it gives you more of an idea of how to manage that bench going into ACC play. Again, it's a weird game. It's a strange game. It's a fluky game because of who you played, the fact that they were such a buzzsaw and they hit everything and you just couldn't make anything. I, I, I do think that comes into play. I think you'll see a much better performance for this team against Miami. But it is just a strange game, and it just kind of seemed like everybody was off from from the guys on the floor to the guys on the sideline. And the yeah, two- I, I I don't think that they were done any favors by a lot of the layover towards the end of non-conference play was rough. I mean, that's just, fair. I, I, I'll be honest. I think they go 2-0 this week. I'm not worried about this team. 2-0. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm laying it out there. Okay, okay. Here, here, here. Let's get the voice memo out. Let's let's just make sure. Are we recording this? We are recording this. this. Okay, we are recording this. So blackmail is real, Kurt so, Weiler. So, Come so, at me at so, at Old Toke's Exposed. I was, I, was, I was about to say, put it out here, right here, right now. I need you to say the words. Say it. I think Florida State goes two and zero this week. And 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 who who are they playing this week? That would be Miami, and then home against at or home against number one home Duke. Against that. Home <laughs> against number one Duke. Oh, that the game that sold out faster than I guess Area Grande concert tickets. I, I saw all the like anger from students over that. Yes, well, the, one of them being me. Good, can, can good I, for uh, you can't get that credential. The, the people <laughs> that uh, you know have credentials. You know, I'm metaphorically as he beats his chest. Yeah, beats my chest. Uh, tightens my metaphorical tie that's over on my hoodie sweatshirt right now. Can, can I can I please speak to the students? For one second, if you're careful, because this is this is my pet project. This is this we're is listening, my thing. Ryan. We're listening, guys, and girls, y- and gals. As yes, okay. It's 2019. People, <laughs> students of Florida State University, you have done something that hasn't been done since the early 90s. You show up every single time the doors are open. You're loud. You're involved, and I hear you. Why can't I get a ticket to Duke? Why can't I get a ticket to Miami? Well, why is it that we're sitting behind this bench? If you care about this stuff, it's my opinion, and again, this is just my opinion. This isn't the reviews of V89 or anything like that. you got to organize. you, you, you got to become an actual student section. You, you have to get recognized by student government. You have to have bylaws set down you have to have criteria like just about every single other big school like you know you go to so many games or your grades are so much like they are i believe at michigan state and ohio state does it that way and there needs to be a merit-based system in place for you to get tickets and no the ticket office ain't going to do it for you uh, l- l- let me just flat up tell you they're not going to do it for you you have to do it for you uh, that's how it's done just about everywhere in the country that's the next step if Florida State wants to have a good basketball fan base, especially within their students. And with that, we are about halfway through the show, so we're going to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Basketball 
And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. On the other side of the break, we were uh, given a very passionate speech by Mr. Ryan Kelly about what the students can do in order to uh, make some more tickets for themselves when it comes to this this very, very hot, uh, well, I guess not, not after the Virginia game, but this very, very popular, I should say, men's basketball team who does have a couple of really, really, what should be really, really tough games uh, this upcoming week versus Miami and then Duke. I believe Miami is, oh, wait, no, they're both at home, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, one on the 9th and then one on the 12th. I believe the 12th is a Saturday at uh, 2 yes. p.m. 2 p.m. tip. Uh, 9 p.m. Wednesday. 9 p.m. on Wednesday, which is uh, really, really fun for all for all of us media members who end up getting out of there at you know 12 or 1 in the morning. Who have have deadlines. Who have deadlines. Deadlines are fun for some of us who have to be on television at 11:15. (laughs) This is the life that we've chosen to live, Chris. Uh, Oh, we love it. Love it. Oh, it's it's the best though. Don't trade it for anything. I hear complaining about your Friday classes. So, of course, you know, we're going to wrap up uh, men's basketball here shortly. I mean, obviously, I guess the big question is, and Kurt's already given his very, um, let's just say, outlandish take on how the Seminoles are going to perform this week. I don't think that's outlandish. FSU's beaten Duke two straight times here? Uh, think I'm right. I think I. I think I'm right. No. Well, we'll just go. We'll just go round panel. Let me pull here. up some game notes one. at home. P- pull up some at home. Ga- you're saying yes, here? at home. They lost yeah. last year. I was at that game in Cameron last year. They lost there. So just well, while well, Kurt does his homework uh, in his deadlines about five minutes. I know you know, deadlines for reporters. Uh, Chris and and Ryan, we're going to talk to you after, but. How is this team going to do this week? I mean, Miami, although they are not having the best season under any circumstances whatsoever, this is a cut. I mean, it's a Miami versus Florida State. No matter what sport it is, it's always going to be very highly contested. How are you feeling about Florida State this week? Is it is it one and one? Is it zero oh and two? How are the Seminoles going to bounce back from the Virginia loss? What's going to happen? What's 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 your uh, your what's your prediction for this entire week? I've I've got Florida State going one and one. Um, I'm not. I'm honestly, as you said, Miami's not having a season to write home about. Um, not too worried about Miami. Uh, Duke, uh, well, listen, when you're playing Miami and Duke, you need to have the offensive performance. Your offense needs to show up. Terrence Mann and Trent Forrest need to combine for 30, 40 points together, not, not just one total. Um, because the truth of the matter is Duke, is, if I'm not mistaken, is I don't know if they're the number one scoring offense. But they're up, there, like they're they're putting up ninety points on average, against against teams that they're that they're playing. And 
if Florida State wants to compete with that, the defense needs to be there, and you need to be hitting from beyond the arc. Right. I think the worst thing that ever could have happened to the Miami Hurricanes is what happened in Charlottesville on Saturday. <laughs> That's not a good Miami team, and they're not well coached. So I, I tend to think that that gets pretty ugly. Now, it was the great Digger Phelps who once said that Tobacco Road does not win at the Donald L. Tucker Center to a crowd of crazed students in 2012 before <laughs> taping of ESPN's College Game Day. And he's right. Because Tobacco Road on Saturday won't win here. Florida State's going 2-0. I'm with Kurt Weiler. Ah. Wow. I'm with I, it. I'm I, with it. We just got bamboozled, Chris. We did. <laughs> I was uh, fully expecting. Here, here, here's, hey. this, here's this. Are you, write, put it on memo. Are you reco- We're recording this, yes, so it doesn't yes, matter. Yes, we're recording So, this. both of you. The Seminoles of Florida State will defeat the Duke Blue Devils on Saturday, January 12th, 2019, at the Donald L. Tucker Center in the sport of men's basketball. And they will move from rank 13 to rank 12. Yes, and they'll actually <laughs> lose two spots. In the yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I could very well be wrong about this. But, uh, it's, fun, and, but it's fun to do but, that. But, but Florida State's got a track record of beating tobacco road teams at the Tucker Center. Yeah, I mean, Digger was absolutely right when he said that. Um, they have this track record. That place is going to be... The most, maybe the most incredible atmosphere that it's ever been for basketball, especially at the start of that game. And if they come in and they hang in there and they make it a good game, this could be one of those program-defining style games if you go out and you take care of not just any Duke team, but one of the best ever. If you can do it, they're really good at home. They've got to stay locked in. They've got to stay focused. But they can do it. It is very reminiscent of, I believe, two seasons ago where Florida State had, I mean, they always have this ridiculous stretch of ACC games, but I believe it was Louisville, Notre Dame, and... Six straight in the top 25. Yeah, six straight in the top 25. It is, I know this is only one game, and, you know, the season or the season schedule is definitely not as difficult uh, as it was a couple seasons ago, but it does remind me a lot of that stretch where I believe uh, Florida State beat both Notre Dame and Louisville. And this, this Duke basketball game, still, I think, has more stakes than those two wins, more stakes than that entire stretch a couple seasons ago. This is probably the biggest game for Florida State basketball in the past three or four years, just to, just because of how good Kurt – I mean, Kurt, Kurt's giving me a look. I, no, you, no, you talk, I, talk, I'm talk, not – it's not disagreement. Talk, 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 I mean, you want to talk about you – know, Kurt course. just always looks like that. Kurt just <laughs> always looks like that. But um, talking about the Elite Eight running, you know, all those important games that they had, of course, then. But Well, and I think that's why it's such a big deal. Uh, yeah, and exactly. I mean, you – the, the expectations for this Florida State basketball team are so immensely high that you cannot you cannot have a bigger game than this than the one that you have this Saturday against Duke. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. For the optics, especially the optics of the average fan, Saturday's big. Because even though you will probably be favored to lose. In fact, I'll, I'll go to say it. You're going to be favored to lose both the Virginia and Duke game. If you lose both of them, there's going to be a whole bunch of people coming out of the closet saying, here we go again. Mm-hmm. As ridiculous as that is, and as much as th- th- we're so far past or should be so far past any of the fire ham stuff, like those people will come back out. So it's big for optics. It's big for the average person attendance, I would say, the rest of the season because it's the biggest home game on your schedule straight up. I looked it up. It's just one, but – in 14-15, they only lost by Duke to three. That was the Jaleel Okafor team, and that Florida State team was 17-16. and 16. So that feels like a win. Right. You only lost by three, and you were not a good team, and they were a very good team. Right. Well, whatever the outcome is, you know, we've, we've, we've given our guesses as to what's going what's to happen. A couple of 2-0s, a couple of 1-1s. 
um, in case you, I don't think I said, but I, I see one and one. I see Miami being a relatively easy victory. And Duke, Florida State is going to keep this Duke game close, but I think Duke just has too much talent and is too hot right now. They didn't have to deal with a, a loss more recently than Florida State had. I, I, I'm, I would hate to hear that silence after Zion Williamson goes up for, like, a monster dunk. You'd want to see it, though. Like, you may, oh, like, at 100%. Florida State, you might be like, oh, but you know you want that moment. Right. Like, going there, seeing him, you want to see that moment. <laughs> you want the, what was it, the 360 windmill? Yes. What did he pull off it, against it Clemson? Was, uh, it was just, oh. I think it was the 360 Tomahawk. Yeah. It, it was like a 7 or an 8. I can't even jump halfway up the rim. Here's here's your friendly reminder that uh, Clemson gave Brad Brownell a big fat extension in a race. I will say, <laughs> I am excited to see future Atlanta Hawks Zion Williamson in person. <laughs> I'm very excited because him and Trey Young is a nice little duo. That's I I, I will also say, I think Florida State is better has better odds Saturday because they lost to Virginia. It, you know, like it just I think that's just how like mentality stuff works. So, I mean, so, you, so you think it's going to be a benefit rather than in, in, in maybe in the long run? We'll see. But it could be in the long run. Expectations from Duke? No, I think it's it's no, I don't think Duke. I think Duke knows how good this team is. I think it's more just motivation internally. This is an outstanding team. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Coach K. Everybody, Coach K. Uh, appearance in, no, the, in the booth. I think it's just internal motivation from the team of. Even if it wouldn't be, like, 1-2 and two is not the way they wanted to start. They didn't want to start 0-1, but even against a tough slate, they didn't want to start 1-2. And, and, and with that being said, just to clarify, this, this team, is if you haven't seen it on the court, you see it mentally. You see it on the inside, how different this Florida State team is from la- from uh, years past. You know, it, not excluding uh, the past year's team. This is There's a togetherness about this team that's really exciting to see because for the longest time at Florida State, it's been me ball. And for the first time in a long time, it's been a situation in which you can you can take a look at the Florida State players. You can take a look at the team that Hamilton has is probably one of his best teams that he's ever had, if not the best team. Taking a look at these players and saying that is an exceptional basketball player, not mechanically or not, excuse me, not just mentally or mechanically, but mentally as well. And it's something that's really exciting to see. And, you know, at, no matter what happens this week, this 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 team is bunch of eye candy and it's like really exciting to watch but moving on uh to the nfl playoffs i know that uh it's already begun there were already a couple of games this past week of some rather boring games for the first half i mean oh my God. I, I i tuned into the fourth quarter of the the eagles game eagles bears and i when i saw the score i couldn't believe it it was it was 10 10 to 15 i think it was Something before like before the eagles scored their touchdown I, yeah, I was right. Yeah, very just two very low scoring games uh, on Sunday. The char- uh, Chargers underwhelmed me, and I know my dad's a big Chargers fan, being from LA. Um, but honestly, I don't think I didn't think whether the Ravens moved on or the Chargers moved on. I don't think either of them are, are Super Bowl contenders. Well, I think that the Ravens, with the way that they had to beat the Browns, I I couldn't see them winning a playoff game anyways. Sure. But mo- moving on to the divisional round, you know, we're gonna. I don't think I don't believe Luke uh, gave any predictions uh, when he was the host uh, sure. uh, last week. But regardless of that, uh, moving on to predictions for the rest of the way, we're going all the way here, home plate, or I guess the the touchdown with banking off a couple of uh, uh, field goal uprights, um, <laughs> the double the double doing so to speak. Uh, so uh, first, Indi- Indianapolis Colts and Kansas City Chiefs. This is probably I think one of the most interesting matchups that we have this weekend. Um, Chris, predictions for this game? For Kansas City, Indianapolis? Kansas City, Indianapolis. Oh, I, I think Kansas City takes it all the way. 
all the way. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sorry. I like uh, meaning winning, winning the game. Winning the game winning is the game. what I meant to say. Yes, I think Patrick Mahomes finally helped kind of break the Andy Reid stigma, and like of late, especially in Kansas City, and I think they win. To me, it's not a Kansas City or a Andy Reid stigma. It's the Kansas City stigma. Kansas City has not won a home playoff game since January 1994, and. They've only won two playoff games since then, both against Houston. One the Oilers, one the Texans, actually. But all that being said, Indy's hot, man. I, I, I think that they'll eventually meet their match, but I, I just think the weight of the hit the weight of Kansas City's curse. I think it lays down a little bit on the Chiefs. I like the Colts to go in there and win. I'm not happy about it, but <laughs> but but I'm picking it. I agree. I mean, I, I actually believe that the Colts are going to win this one by a couple of touchdowns. Maybe. Well, no, I'm going to take that one back before it gets I recorded. Say, I think it's close. I think. Well, maybe. We'll we'll say we'll say what three points. I think I think uh, uh, Indianapolis three is going to seven gonna, somewhere in that ballpark. Some, some, <laughs> if you go a touchdown, you know, there there aren't other ways to score in the National Football is safety. Um, D- double doinks. Double doinks. <laughs> uh, butt fumbles. <laughs> hashtag Mark Sanchez forever. Um, I think Indianapolis is going to come in and really surprise this this Chiefs team. I think that well, obviously, you know, the Chiefs had a bye week. I think they've been waiting around. I think the anxiousness is going to get to them a little bit. This there is a stigma around the Kansas City Chiefs. There is a stigma not with just Andy Reid, but Kansas City that they cannot win, and it's going to be something that's going to be over, overbearing at times. But it's really going to be. It's not going to be a battle of whether Kansas City can beat. The Colts, it's going to be whether Kansas City can beat the stigma, where they can beat the pressure. If they do that, they're going to do fine, but I don't think that they have it this year. I think Mahomes is still a little bit too young. It's amazing as a as a season he's had. This is his first playoff experience. So that I really don't see Kansas City coming out of this as one. As we all saw this weekend, rookie quarterbacks or first-year quarterbacks have been doing great in the playoffs. <laughs> Absolutely great in the playoffs. So I, th- I think Indianapolis is going to surprise some people. They're hot. They don't allow sacks at all. Not that Kansas City's defense is anything to write home about, but with that being said, uh, and the Colts are going to surprise some people this weekend. Uh, Chargers at New England. Uh, that, that's great. that's my the, the that's laugh. your reaction. Yeah, the, I mean, why? What I mean, I know that the Chargers were not impressive this weekend. They weren't really that great. Right, but that's a great Baltimore defense. That's a good Baltimore defense. It is absolutely no. I, I they, they did play against a really great Baltimore defense. It's just offensively, I, I feel like there were a lot of opportunities. That the Chargers didn't capitalize on a lot of, uh, no, I'm sorry. I think it was the Ravens who were fourth and goal, and they 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 kicked the field goal. But granted, there's just a lot of offensive opportunity that I don't see working for the Chargers. And when you're, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, Philip Rivers is 0 and 2 against Tom Brady in the in the playoffs, and 0 and 6 all time. Exactly. I just I don't see it working for him this year. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I. I'm not sure I'm ready to pick a Chargers win maybe later in the week, but I think they keep it close, if nothing else. Part of me is really cheering for both the Chargers and the Colts because then we would have an AFC Championship game in a design- like in a MLS stadium. <laughs> in a MLS stadium. Yeah. In the StubHub Center. In the StubHub Center. Yeah. But I, I think the Patriots are just too good, and I, unfortunately I think it's hard not to see them going to the Super Bowl right now as, as – Tired as I'm sure we are, all all are of that. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe. Oh boy, he's grabbing the Anthony Lynn. He's grabbing the Oxford. I believe in Gus Bradley. That's the first time I've said that in a very long time. I believe in Philip Rivers. I believe this is the time. Yeah.
The San Diego Superchargers are going to the AFC Championship. I don't know what it is about this team, but they just seem to put those pieces together, man. I don't know. They, here's the thing. Any other, any other San Diego, I, I'm going to call them the San Diego Chargers. You can forget about that. Um, the, the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Los Angeles Galaxy Chargers, whatever you want to call them, that's where they play. Uh, <laughs> Whatever you want to call them. That game at Baltimore, as soon as it got hairy, any other former Chargers team immediately loses that game in the most hilarious fashion possible. And they didn't. They stared it down, and they got past it. And I think that's one of those things that can get rid of some jitters. And I love me some angry Phillip Rivers. And I think we finally got us some angry Phillip Rivers that can get it done. This New England team, they played it. Los Angeles played a better defense last weekend. They did. I know Bill's going to have a lot of stuff ready for them, but I don't know why. I've just got a feeling about these Chargers that they squeak it out this weekend. Ryan, You're talk me playing. into it. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> it was Let's the music. Go. It, was, it, the music. it was the song. I exactly. can't even hear the song. I don't have headphones on, but oh, yes. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Super Chargers. It was, re- it, was, it was really nice. That was like... <laughs> You, you, he talked you into it, Nick? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, let's be honest. He started grabbing, he started grabbing you know, the... the the ox cord. The ox cord. It was over for the like that and doesn't I was, need permission. I was, yeah, yeah. No. I was like, this is my studio. It just got when you're a former over. host, you don't need permission. You don't yeah. need <laughs> permission. You don't need permission. Um, may, may I please use the ox cord? Y- yeah. Too late. Thank Too you. Late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, the, the Patriots are going to win this way, win this game in the in the fashion that everybody doesn't want them to win this football game. It's going to be one of those games where everybody's rooting against the Patriots as they always root against the Patriots. And it's going to be a situation in which the Chargers are going to almost have enough, but just like, and I'm sorry, Ryan, the Jaguars last year, it's not going to go down. Oh, so that the referees way. are going to give New England a free pass <laughs> to the AFC title game? Well, you know what? They very well might do that. Well, Let's, can you really rule Phillip that Rivers out? wasn't down. <laughs> Derwin James wasn't down. <laughs> Hashtag Derwin James wasn't down. FSU Twitter Hashtag may lose its mind if Derwin James has like a game ceiling interception or something like oh. that. Can we talk about Derwin for a sec? Sure, go ahead. And that they moved him to linebacker, and it was not a big thing. And no. he just was good there because Derwin James has, like, potential to be the most versatile and one of the best defenders in the league here in a couple of years. Don't at me. Yep. No, I no, I believe that. I mean, Derwin James has been – you know, there were really talks, especially with the way that his Florida State tenure ended, there were talks that, well, maybe maybe Derwin James isn't all that he's uh, supposed to be. You really didn't need him, Tampa. Yeah, I'm happy. Oh. I'm, listen, I'm happy Tampa didn't take him. But my, Buck on all Twitter's bad enough. My my poor colleague at the Democrat, Wayne McGahee, is is still to this day devastated that both Dalvin Cook and Derwin James are not Buccaneers, and rightfully so because they debatably should have taken both of them. Moving on, uh, Dallas and uh, the and the excuse me, the Rams. Stone Cold Lock of the Century of the Week. Rams, big Ram- at the Coliseum. L- yeah. Rams, big. Rams, absolutely. Uh, okay, well, uh, that says us time. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Ram- Rams. We're up uh, against it, man. Look, look, uh, D- I'm just going to say my piece and move on. Dallas is, I think, that team this year, and you could talk about the Eagles however you want to, but Dallas is that one team this year where you take a look and you just go, really? I mean, I understand the talent that this team has. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is fantastic. They have a great Young linebacker core in uh, Vander Eck and uh, and Dylan Smith, but just the way that 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 culture has been kind of just in a whirlwind for the past couple of years. I take a look at this team and I just kind of really, and and the, I mean 
let's face it, they got a very, they almost got like a bye week in a Seattle team that, sure, the leadership of Russell Wilson has led them to a, a very overachieving season, but this is a Seattle, that, that or excuse me, that was a Seattle team in rebuild, and uh, I think they kind of got an easy pass, but uh, final divisional game, uh, speaking of those Eagles, Eagles and Saints. Chris, it's not going to be any, su- any surprise <laughs> what you were going to pick, but why don't you tell me anyways? Uh, let's go Eagles, winning by two t- No, I'm kidding. No, absolutely <laughs> not. No, um, listen, both. Uh, funny enough, both the Saints and the Rams, both teams that I'm, I'm actually fans of, uh, Saints more so, they've kind of, near the end of the season, they were on it. On a downtrend, and they, uh, the Saints actually lost to Dallas. Uh, granted, Dallas has a great defense, um, but I don't, I, I don't see this New Orleans team losing to Philadelphia. Granted, if they were playing in Philadelphia, I think that might be a different story. But when you're, when you're playing in the dome, that's, that's a tough atmosphere to come out of alive. And the fact that the Saints have home field advantage all throughout the playoffs, I think that'll serve them well. I do not have the Saints making the Super Bowl because the Atlanta fan in me is not ready for them to be playing a Super Bowl in my stadium. But I have them winning this week. I think they lose to the Rams in the NFC Championship. Do, wait, do you, do you have a song for for this pick too? But don't look one up. But I was Bye, just gonna... Eagles. Listen, I don't think the Eagles are going to win. I think the Eagles are going to make this a spectacular game. But what if Nick Nick Foles wins another Super Bowl? If Nick Foles oh wins another goodness. Super Bowl, then is he should, their franchise then quarterback? They should trade Carson Wentz to Jacksonville. I, uh, Miami. My, <laughs> my, no, I was about to say Miami's going down here. Say like, we'll take him. <laughs> there's going to be a lotto for him. Is what's going to happen if Nick Foles somehow. Leads them to another Super Bowl and then loses somewhere bad in Week Two again next year mm-hmm. because that seems like that's the Nick Foles. Could you imagine path. the riots this year in Philadelphia if they were to win it? Like it was bad the last year's. Well, I, re- I remember I was watching some of that and like you listen to the police scanner and really have fun listening to those poor <laughs> people losing their minds. It's certainly better than a Joe Buck broadcast. Oh, <laughs> oh. Now they don't even have a response to that. Forty-eight. Just, hey, if you. <laughs> If you watch him on, why am I blanking on the name of the show? If you watch uh, him Brockmeyer. on Brockmire, you'll have a greater appreciation okay. for Joe Buck. I will right, say that. All much. right, all right, Brockmire all right. is worth your time. All right, maybe maybe the shot was unwarranted, but I'll tell you, I turned into Seattle. You should and... ask Hank Azaria to come on the show. Uh, yeah, with Brockmire. he might do it. <laughs> Jim Brockmire. I mean, I, I mean, I tuned into uh, Seattle and Dallas. I, I, you know, I, I was, I mean, the game wasn't necessarily going well to begin with, but you know, uh, didn't necessarily make anything better. So. You know, in case you were afraid that we had forgotten, there's kind of a big game tonight. Kind of a big game happening. Who's, happening. Who's playing? Happening biggest about, game's the next game, Paul. <laughs> in about five minutes, pretty big game going on. It's the national championship game. And, you know, you're probably saying, well, Nick, where has this been the entire show? It's obviously one of the, the biggest thing going on right now. Well, you saved the best for last, of course. <laughs> Chris, what are you expecting tonight? Tonight, um, I think... If Trevor Lawrence and that Clemson offense, if they can keep the tempo rolling, um, and if Trevor Lawrence can keep the Alabama Alabama defense out of his own head, uh, I could see a Clemson victory here. I yeah yeah Kirk, Bama closer than last year, not as close as the first two games. Okay. I'd say Bama by about ten. Bama by ten. Or excuse me, right? Yeah, that's about right. Tides go roll again, Paul. Tides they- gonna. <laughs> Roll again, but but no no score prediction no. no. Um, why don't I give you why don't I give you a little thirty five twenty four. Thirty five twenty four, Chris Kurt. I I'm right around there. I might I might say 
I might say 38-28 just to have a little variety. I think Clemson will miss Dexter Lawrence far more than they did. They didn't miss him against Notre Dame. They will miss him against that Alabama offensive line. Well, you can talk about what Notre Dame was doing in that game anyways. I just, but... I just want James Carville to have a conspiracy about Clemson <laughs> missing its top defensive player against. All I'm saying is I didn't know who did the drug test. I don't know who did it. Exactly. <laughs> This give, me, is, give me 35-32 Clemson. I think 29-27 uh, Alabama. I think it's going to be close again. I mean, and the reason that the reason that it's so close is really just how good both these teams are. We were talking about it before the show. Kurt's under the opinion uh, that these are the two best iterations of Alabama and Clemson that we've seen thus far, and I'm inclined to agree with that. I think both these teams are incredibly strong. But I think the real interesting thing is is that both these teams really played like half a football game. How, they, I mean, Alabama, say what you want. Nick Saban is never going to admit this, and he's going to be angry that his team did this. But the Crimson Tide took off those middle two quarters against uh, Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they kind of left. Still comfortably won. Still comfortably mm-hmm. won. It's they, almost like Oklahoma has no business getting the benefit of the doubt. That one, not nearly as comfortable, though, Alabama-Notre Dame. I, I thought Oklahoma would keep it closer than Notre Dame did, and I was right. Well, we only say that because one was closer in the fourth. I mean, Alabama Notre or Clemson Notre Dame was a game for a half, and within two minutes for a quarter, it was twenty three three at half. It was tw- yeah, within the last three minutes of the second quarter. Like let's let's not act like it wasn't two big plays and the game was done. But Oklahoma was one stop away from being right in that game. But they weren't because they don't played. play defense. So <laughs> can yeah. I tell you what's really fun is watching watching college football at a Vegas sports book. That oh. is a lot of fun. That I can believe. <laughs> I feel like there's a story behind this, but I'm af- but I'm like afraid what you're going to say. It's not Pete. No, no, I'm kidding. Not, well. I, no, it's not that big a deal. I, I was sitting at a oh, which sports book was it? it? It was it was a sports book on the strip, um, but just seeing people like you can tell who had bet their life savings on this money. Even though Oklahoma was down, you knew this guy had bet the spread. <laughs> when Oklahoma finally pushed it over, I, I think what the spread ended up being the 13 points, if I'm not mistaken, and this guy. He didn't care if Oklahoma was losing. He was just happy that he got his money. It's it's it, it's a scene to be there on, uh, in Vegas. What's the biggest bet you heard somebody take, like, or somebody told you? This season, this season, I'm gl- I was actually thinking about saying this, but this season, one of my buddy uh, William, who is a Clemson fan, he is in California right now. He's probably sitting in the stands right now. His brother put down a two thousand dollar bet <laughs> on Florida State against Notre Dame. Straight up, oh, straight wait, up. Ugh. Money For, line or spread? I I think I. Was, I don't. Was, I don't think it was smart. I think it was, was money line. Was that like oh. one of those Brewsters millions Ooh, things where he had to spend won? all the money? He bet two thousand dollars on the money. Two thousand or two hundred, maybe subtract a zero, maybe add a zero. I mean, that's still like. It's. I, yeah, no, I told like, him. Geez, I told if, him. If he if he wants money, he doesn't want to have back. I have no. student loans, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how much he would have won? I I don't. Oh I feel I feel like maybe it it might have been spread. Who knows? Still. Two hundred, two thousand on on Florida State against against Notre Dame Golly. earlier this season. I don't know why anybody would have touched in that at that time of all times. Why right. anybody would have touched Florida State? Like I would not. I I could probably bet. I feel it'd be frowned upon if I bet Florida State, but I would not have touched Florida State much this year, especially that, once mm-hmm. the season played out. Absolutely not. Well, it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting, an interesting, interesting. Uh, national championship game again the Clemson Tigers Alabama Crimson time for what feels like the 65th time in a row but you know that's I guess that's the way the, the college football playoff is working now where uh, I mean these are the two best teams in the country they do deserve to play each other again um, as I said it's a bit of a divided room as to who's actually going to win 
we are going to end this just a little bit early. We're gonna get try. Well, actually, and... I, I do have a quick question. Quick question. Does do we still think it would be Alabama Clemson if there was an expansion? If if there was not? No. If there if there was an expansion. Oh, if there was. Oh, I think I don't think that George. You know, everybody's talking about everybody's talking about Georgia. Well, Georgia should have been in you know the the playoffs again. Look, after after losing again in the same fashion that you lost the previous year, it doesn't matter who they were going to play. And you saw this when they played Texas, who I've been high on all year. You see, when they played Texas, it doesn't matter who they were going to play, whether they played Alabama uh, again or whoever. It wasn't going to be the same. Now maybe Ohio State has a case. Maybe. Maybe even UCF has a bit of a case, <laughs> but you know they don't anymore. Um, <laughs> and Seb- the, the Sebastian, our producer, is uh, going nuts back here. Yeah. But I, I just imagine Luke is trying to kick down the door. <laughs> Luke, uh, <laughs> I think I hear him running down the hall. Well, look, I'll say and I'll say this very quickly. Hot take, hot take of the night. If you're looking for, and you, it wouldn't matter if UCF won the game against LSU or not. Wouldn't have mattered. They're still the national champion in all of our hearts. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is—it's a team that, at the end of the day, they probably would have had to gone, go undefeated again to earn the respect that the, that the entire fan base of UCF is working for. Uh, it probably wouldn't have happened that way. So it was either again in this year or again in next year, and neither ended up happening. But with that Thank being you, said, Professor. that's a that's a little bit better wrap up that we're previously planning. We are going to try and beat the traffic and go watch this game. Thank you for tuning, everybody. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee. The Voice of Florida State new release is up next.